Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is The Riverfront, episode number 426. Oh, my goodness, number 426. I'm going to introduce each of you, but you got to you got to start by answering this question. What are we going to do for episode number 500? That's, uh, you know, it's inching ever closer. With me is the godfather, Bill Lack. Episode 500, it will be epic. We will have dancing girls, strippers, and Nate in a bikini. Uh, we're gonna have to start this one over. I'm not sure. This is, we've already gone off the rails. I didn't introduce myself. I'm Chad Kyle Farmer. Is the greatest player ever, Dotson? Uh, with me also this week is our buddy Nate Dotson. Nate, what's up? You know, if our uh, listeners and viewers are smart, there will not be an episode 500. But um, in case there is, you know, we don't have to wait that long for me to put on a bikini. Oh. <laughs> Yikes! We, we will be using visual filters that evening. <laughs> I think I think what we need to do, really, honestly, uh, all jokes aside, is we need to have a big a live blowout somewhere in Cincinnati. I don't know where, but that's what we need to do. A, a live podcast event for everyone to show up. And uh, so, uh, Bill, start planning that. So, so we're talking, we're what, 426? Is that what you said we were? Yeah, we've got a little while. we got 75 weeks. So, you know, sometime next, late next summer. Yeah. I'm, Maybe, hoping, uh, to, I'm hoping to still be verbal at that point. <laughs> no comment uh even if even if you are you'll have so many uh beers by the time we get started with that thing that you'll be barely barely verbal let's talk about the cincinnati reds gang um for the week it was uh not a not a great week but it ended up with a bang reds lost two out of three in toronto we'll talk about that a little bit more and the, the way they won the one that they won and then they end up splitting with the cubs at home by taking the last two games of the series culminating with today we're obviously uh, as we always do recording this on thursday with an absolute slaughter of the chicago cubs the stupid cubs as they're known around here i hate when um, we miss that extra point though i hate missing extra points. <laughs> yeah really um so what happened today was cal farmer happened Reds were down three to nothing uh, going to the bottom of the second. Put up two runs on the board. Calform hit a two-run homer, and then the Reds score eight runs and uh, and sent eleven batters to the plate. And the game was over at that time. The last five runs of the game were scored against Pirate Pirates Cubs shortstop Andrelton Simmons. Kyle Farmer ends up with uh, going four for four, three runs scored, five RBIs, two home runs. Tyler Stevenson three for five, three runs scored, two RBIs. Tommy Pham two for four, three RBIs. Um, some guy named Drury. Is he, that guy still around? Two for six, three RBIs. Nixon Zell, four for four with two walks. Reached the base six times mm-hmm. today at, at a lead like spot. Hope, hope, yeah, hope just – Hope that's a starter, you know? Absolutely. And Almora, uh, three for five with three RBIs. Guys, what do you have to say about this big win today? This is this is what it kicks off the Reds, uh, you know, run to the pennant, right? Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do want to – I'm going to touch on something though that's kind of an offshoot of this. Is this is about Stevenson, and I haven't looked at the numbers. And this is something that just occurred to me. How many games? I don't know how many games he has not been in the lineup this year when he's been healthy. But it seems like he's out of the lineup more than he should be when he's healthy. It seems if he's not catching, he ought to be DHing. You know, especially if they got a left-handed hit. I don't care if he's left-handed or right-handed. And I'm I'm not saying that you know guys got to play 162 games like they used to because that's just not going to happen. And maybe because he catches, he needs more days off. Hey, smarter men than I would would know that. But it just seems to me like he's out of the lineup more often than he should be when he's healthy. You know, my Cincinnati Magazine piece this week was uh, about whether the Reds should move Tyler Stevenson to another position to, to you know, protect him. And my, ultimately, I said no. But there, I found a quote from just last week. Uh, I saw a quote from David Bell. First of all, Tyler Stevenson says he doesn't want to move. And David Bell says um, – I don't want him to move, and we're also going to let him play DH on the days he's not playing. So I went and looked, and I think he'd only played DH like one time uh, up to the time of that quote all season long. So I don't know what the exact numbers are, but they're not utilizing him uh, as DH as much as they should. I mean, I, I don't know why he can't play 162 other than, you know, when he gets injured. But if when he's healthy every game, if you just play him, he can back up at first base. He can play DH. It doesn't, uh, doesn't make any sense to me. But, Nate, uh, you can talk about the game or Tyler Stevenson or whatever you got on your mind. Uh, just quickly on the Tyler Stevenson thing, we know how important the catcher position is. It's right there in the book of Genesis. On the first day, the Lord created the catcher position. Uh, day two, first base. He gave Tyler Stevenson an option on day two. Now, he was hung over one day and made the DH. We won't get into that. But 
Gosh, blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, don't blame us. Seems like I've got the DH. I think this is the gospel according to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, couldn't agree more with you guys. He needs to. Uh, he needs that bat in the lineup as often and as creatively as possible. But you know, today's a good day to be a Reds fan. I was worried a few days ago when uh, the Cubs took the first two games of the series that this. You know, instead of being something to build upon, it was going to be something that just sent this team into a downward spiral, um, you know, similar to the one that we've already had twice this year. But the Reds scored the most runs they've scored since 1999. You know, we, we're not going to get a lot of things to cheer for this season, and today is a good, good day. So, so do you think they're partying like it's 1999? I hope we're having more fun than that. <laughs> Y2K was terrifying. Y2K was right around the corner. Yeah, no, I mean, just, um, and today, crazy offensive explosion. We're, the Reds, I'm, I'm sorry, the Reds are not going to score 20 runs every day. But I think that oh, we can, too. I think there's a reason to believe that the offense, which has been horrible, the Reds are second uh, to last. Well, they meant not, not before today, they were second to last in the league in runs scored. Uh, they probably moved up the charts a little bit. But the offense has just been bad. But there's a lot of things coming together here right now. Um, Kyle Farmer is back to being the greatest player in the history of the world. Uh, Joey Votto is back, my friends. Oh, baby. Joey Votto's back. Stevenson's great. If Sinzel starts hitting, I don't know. This uh, All of a sudden, with just having Joey back and Tyler Stevenson back from injury changes everything about this uh, lineup and the old Joey Votto. Nate, uh, Joey, t- tell us about, talk about Joey Votto a little bit about what we saw over the weekend and um, why I'm absolutely correct that he's back. Well, I don't think that uh, many people are going to argue with you, whether they just don't want to, because, you know, we have rose-colored glasses. We like to see the best of people. But that Toronto series, he had an extra base hit in every game. I, I think he only had one um, before he went on the injured list. So, that yeah, he's getting the barrel on the ball. He's still taking his walks. And then, you know, yesterday's game, or I guess it be Wednesday's game, when people listen to this, he had another home run. He had a triple. Then he decided he was also going to start picking on rookie pitchers for the Cubs. Like, the guy is dialed in. <laughs> I don't know how you guys can say he's back. He didn't have a hit today. You're right. He only got on base twice in five <laughs> plate appearances. Um, Slacker. No, Joy, Joy, as far as I'm concerned, Joy Bud is back. And, yeah, the, a little salty. The, uh, the What's his name? Wick was the guy's last – the pitcher's last name for the, uh, the Cubs uh, – Evidently, he threw he threw a high and tight on Votto, which I saw, and Votto wasn't pleased with that. And then after he walked Votto, they say he he chirped at Votto a little bit, and so Votto went off <laughs> on him. I thought he was going to charge the mound from first base. We see more of that from Votto this year than we've ever seen before. But uh, uh, two things, Bill. Number one, do you think Votto is back? Number two, uh, give us your analysis of Hunter Green started the game today, and, and you watched his start. Yeah, I did. I did on the Joey's. Uh, thing first I'm still not sold yet I hope you guys are right I want to see more than you know five games before I say he's back Uh, but I think it's interesting though that he didn't have an extra base hit I think he had like like Nate said I think he had one all season and he you know quadrupled that or whatever in in one series so it makes you wonder if, if there was something going on earlier in the year whether it be an illness whether it be something bothering him whatever um I hope he is. I hope he's back to being at least some semblance of the Joey we saw last year. Uh, uh, Green today uh, gave up five runs. Uh, I think he gave up all five. Um, He wasn't getting any help from the umpire, uh, uh, at least early on when I was watching. All the borderline stuff was was being called balls, and and it a lot and it was a lot of it was really close. His his control today was not far off. and again, you know, we've said this a million times over the million years that we've been doing this. He's a young guy. He's going to have days when he's better than others. Uh, the two starts before this were, were phenomenal. I mean, you, you couldn't have expect ask anymore. Did he struggle a little bit today? Yeah, he still got a win, you know, and, the, and, he, and he held him close enough for the Reds to come back and then to win the ballgame. And that's really all you want from your pitcher, give you me a chance to win. Yeah, all I really wanted that 100. Oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Say, let, me just say quick, let me just let me say quickly. Sure. All I wanted from Hunter Green today was for him to hold the Cubs to 19 runs, and he did that. So that's all he we did. Needed. No, I think uh, today was a good um, a good outing for his growth as a starting pitcher. He didn't have his best stuff. It looked like his off speed stuff 
Um, he wasn't able to locate, locate it quite as much. So he had to go to that fastball a little bit more than I think he wants to right now. And you know, they've proven that major league hitters are going to hit that a long way if uh, it gets the, you know, the middle part of the zone. But he stayed in there. He battled. He got through five innings. Seems like when these outings were happening earlier in the season, these were one, two, three inning outings. And we had, you know, six, seven of the bullpen. So I think that he showed a lot of poise. I think that it was, you know, it's good for a guy his age's growth. And you're not going to go out there and pitch six, seven innings of one earned ball every time. And just so you all know, Joey Votto in the month of May has a 1.066 OPS. There you go. What more do you want? Uh, here, here's why I say just the last one. Nate, 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 how many games is that? Because he Listen, was. Don't, don't ask questions nobody wants the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, because I'm pretty sure he's on the DL for a good portion of May. But. Seven. Seven games. A full okay. week's worth of results. All right. Here's why. Here's why I think he's back. Uh, every single at bat, he's looked like the guy we saw last year. And in that Toronto series, when he hit the game-winning home run in the the last game of the series in the eighth inning to put the Reds ahead, they ultimately won. Um, that game, everyone talked about the home run, but earlier in the game, he hit two shots deep that were outs. But there were, I think, his two highest exit velocity swings of the year. So, so he's starting to make better contact. I just, I, I see no reason not to think he's. He may, he may, he's not going to be what he was last year, maybe, but he's still going to be productive, I think. Two, 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 two things. One on green, and I want to reiterate something I think I said last week. It's great that he can dial it up there seemingly to 100 miles an hour anytime he wants. But what's going to make him hit that ceiling that we're hoping he hits is that slider down in the strike zone. That's going to be, going to be the difference maker for him, I think, more often than the 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And – I forgot what the other one was. It was a. It was something about Joey, though. Uh, oh, the exit velocity thing. I think that tells you more than anything, than the, any of the, the numbers do, you know, in terms of where the ball falls. If you're squaring the, bat, the ball up on the bat, you're locked in, and they'll they'll fall sooner or later. You know, some of them are not. Like you said, two of them went for outs. But give me a guy that's hitting the ball hard all over the ballpark. I'll take my chances. Yeah, and uh, yes, he's still hitting 156, as everyone on Twitter will let you know when you say something about him being good. But I don't know. I'm not worried about Joey Votto. Um, Now, another guy that I have been worried about, uh, and and we've talked about a lot on this show that I think we probably ought to uh, discuss for just a moment, is Nick Senzel. Senzel, of course, is back uh, here recently returned and uh, has just been unbelievable in the field. I mean, his defense is gold glove worthy. He, he makes, it seems like every night he makes at least one play. That's a highlight real play. Uh, and, but uh, I gotta be honest, you know, uh, I've been kind of promoting Nick Senzel for a long time, all the way in the minors. He hit everywhere. He, he had every marker of a guy that's going to be productive in the major leagues, but man, it just, it's not happening. And his number still this year, even after today's game. And again, six plate appearances, four hits, Scored three runs, got an RBI, and walked twice. Um, but his numbers are still not not good. Two twenty one average. And we're just talking about uh, seventy six plate appearances on the season because he's been injured and sick as well as usual. But two twenty one average, two seventy four on base, three hundred nine slugging. Um, I, I'm not suggesting it's time to give up on Nick Senzel. Uh, I, I, I hinted that way in our Slack channel yesterday, and he goes out and makes me look silly today. But um, I mean, the reason I have any other options. Man, you just is this is this all he's going to be? Is Billy Hamilton like Billy Hamilton light, <laughs> maybe? Ooh. And if so, that's that's yeah, that's kind of. Although we're not going to slander Billy Hamilton, but any thoughts on on Nixon Zell? I, I was glad to see today. Hopefully, that gets him going. I guess is all. I think that he costs us uh, one point two five million dollars this year. He's never um, had an extended, you know, span of time healthy. Let's. Just, you know, no expectations, but I want to, I'd love to see him have consistent plate appearances for about three months and then see what he, what he can do. Because the guy, all he's ever did or all he's ever done was hit the ball and hit the heck out of the ball. Something weird has happened since he's gotten the big leagues, whether it's injuries or it's in his head, I don't know, but consistent at bats to keep giving them to him. Maybe put him up in the leadoff spot more often and give him a lot of protection, but I am nowhere close to giving up on Nixon Zell, especially when he's going to keep playing gold glove caliber defense in center field. I, I agree with Nate. I, I think that, it, you know, like, there, like you said, Chad, there's, there aren't a lot of other options to, to throw out there in center field. Um, 
I hope I hope he is. There's no reason to believe he can't be the player we expected him to be. I, I'd be curious to know what's the most consecutive games he's played while healthy is in his time with the Reds. Because uh, it doesn't seem like he's been able to stay healthy for six weeks. And the thing that scares me is anytime I see him go into the wall, dive for a ball, dive on the bases, you hold your breath. You honestly do. You, you wake up. You, I mean, you, 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 you kind of close your eyes and open up and hope he's not holding his hand or holding his side or holding his arm or shoulder. And he just seems like he's made out of glass and it, and, and I'm not, you know, I don't want it to sound like I'm belittling the guy when you're hurt, you're hurt. There's nothing you can do. Um, but like Nate said, I'd love for him to stay healthy for, you know, two months, three months and, and see what, assuming they give him the opportunity to, to play regularly. Uh, I'd like to see what his numbers look like then. I was actually hopeful that, that was going to be this season because, because they don't have other options. That if he could just stay on the field, we're, we were going to get 500-plus at-bats from him. And finally, uh, he's going to show us one way or the other mm-hmm. who he is as a player. Um, and, and I, you know, I, we can still hope for that, but uh, I'm, I, I'm not going to bet the ranch on him staying healthy. And, again, it's not – I'm not blaming him for that. It is what it is. He keeps getting hurt. Uh, he doesn't want to get hurt, I'm sure. Uh, if he does, that's kind of a weird thing. I'd like to understand the, <laughs> the reasoning behind that, but – um, well, that brings up one of our viewer mail questions. That go ahead and answer this right now. I mean, all these viewer mail questions, uh, as you know, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront That's patreon.com slash riverfront where you too can join the family and uh, and support the uh, the pirate ship here. Kyle Kapler asks, You guys are probably going to strongly disagree with this take, but with Sinzel's extensive injury history, what are your thoughts about giving him some looks in right field to keep him on the field? It scares me to see him slide or dive. Now, I'll just answer that first, and then you guys can uh, can weigh in however you want. It's kind of similar um, to uh, what Bill is just now saying, which is uh, every time he slides and dives, we all, we, we cringe. I don't move him anywhere. I, I, would, I would move him to third base if I were going to move him somewhere. I think, he, I think he's got a better shot of staying healthier at third base than he does in center field. But if he's in the outfit, I want him in center field because he's the best outfitter they've got defensively. And he's legitimately one of the best defensive center fielders in all of baseball. So, you know, I, I don't think I move him anywhere else in the outfield. That's my thoughts. Uh, Nate, you want to jump in first? Uh, right field's too close to the wall. It's just scary having him over there so close. No, but also you get to, to have a similar conversation that we have had about Tyler Stevenson. Um, you can hide a light-hitting center fielder a lot better than you can hide a light-hitting right fielder. So he just provides more value in the outfield in that spot. That's true. And I and I honestly don't – if you're trying to hide him from any possible injury, I don't see there being that big a damn difference between right field and center field. Yeah. Yeah, maybe right field and third base, you could, you could argue. Yeah. He's not going to be doing as much diving, things like that. But, yeah. Um, so, sorry, Kyle, we do disagree, but it's an interesting topic of uh, conversation. So other things that happened this week um, – we talked about Votto's game winner. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Hunter Green, but we didn't talk about how he followed up that no-hit bid with uh, – Bill just briefly mentioned it – with another absolute gem. Just love that. Um, Nate, uh, you got Graham Ashcraft. Mm-hmm. Made his big league debut. Finally, you've been talking about him here since your first day on this podcast, I think. And showed, so, so everybody, what showed everybody what I've been talking about. Yeah, the, uh, the final line wasn't incredibly impressive, but I was fortunate enough to actually be able to watch the game. And his pitches just dance all over the zone. His fastball moves like a like a slider sometimes. Um, I know he has he has a pretty sick slider too, releases it at the same arm, arm angle as his fastball. I kind of think he has the potential to be one of those uh, very rare starting pitchers that can get by on just two pitches because his fastball doesn't move – I mean, it's got a lot of ton of movement, but it doesn't move the same way consistently. Every every fastball, I can move in a different way. It can be like a cutter, some pitches, and then like a slider, others. I thought he was awesome. He was attacking the zone. He is. He's like a bulldog out there. He was going inside on guys. Yeah, he'll, you know, he's going to walk a few people, but he was aggressive. And I love what they were saying on uh, the broadcast that Derek Johnson was just like, "Hey, man, we don't have enough time to get a full game plan. Just go do what you've been doing. Just go try to strike everybody out and just attack." And he did. I think he was super fun, and I think he deserves to be on the Major League roster. He certainly acted like he belonged. He looked like he belonged. 
he also uh, looks like a healthy young man. Um, <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. The other uh, other news of the week, if you have anything to say about Ashcraft, you can. Are, 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 uh, you, are, you, are, you, are you fat shaming? <laughs> no, don't say that. We're going to get canceled. No shame. Don't do that. No shame. We're just fat acknowledging. Exactly. I can't, I can't I shame earned, anyone. I earned mine. I'm proud of mine. Yeah. This is body, um, body positivity. We love Graham. Exactly. Ashcraft. Right. Exactly. And we may have to skip the Mike Mustakas questions coming later in your mail. <laughs> um, Bill, I don't have any thoughts, but uh, maybe you do about Graham Ashcraft. But if not, maybe you have some thoughts about this. You know who else is back? We talked about Joey Votto. Aristides Aquino. Ooh. Two home run game. What? Come on. Aquino is amazing again. Right? 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 Everyone. And, and the Enquirer immediately ran an, an article that said he got his confidence back after being released. Yeah. Got his confidence I think, back. I think uh, this, this two homer game brought his OPS to uh, 484. So. I, hey, I wish him nothing, but I hope he does. I hope he becomes, you know, the, the guy we were hoping that we got that that hot August a couple of years ago. Uh, he seems like a quality young man. He, he, he gives you everything he's got. Wanted to stay with the ball club even after he was released, went to Louisville. And, and you know, I think, was it two weeks ago or something? I think you guys were, were talking about this, and, and he's the kind of guy you want in your organization. Even if he doesn't help you at the big league level, he can help you in the minor leagues. Uh, I wasn't saying that. Somebody did. Maybe it was Jason. It might have been Jason. I can't remember. Uh, we were talking about that. And 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 everything you're saying is the same thing we said when he was uh, designated for assignment, Frank. Like, good guy, whatever. He just, you know. And none of that changed because he had a two-home run game. I'm glad right. for him. I wish he has a, a thousand more of them because it helps the Reds. But uh, he's just – he is what he is. He, I don't have think any differently about him than I did before. And I would also yeah. say that it wasn't that he chose to – that he wanted to stay with the Reds. My guess is he didn't have a lot of options. I can't imagine there were a lot of teams – clamoring for his services when he was designated for assignment, but maybe there were, I don't know. Maybe he well, did. Even, uh, even if there was one, I mean, that's, he made a decision between two. I would be surprised if there were one. Maybe. maybe. I wouldn't say. Yeah. I, maybe. But uh, Bill bless you. That's what we'll say. Since we're talking about the gospel of Bill, Bill bless you. Our air cities, Aquino and wish you the best of luck. Bill speed. Um, I think that was really all in terms of uh, on the field things that, to talk about this week. Uh, I guess other news. Before the Toronto series, Tyler Malley, Brandon Drury, Joel Kunal, and Albert O'Mara Jr. were placed on the restricted list, and that's when the Reds called up Graham Ashcraft. Taylor Motter, Nate's favorite guy, Taylor Motter, who I still, I'm not sure he really actually exists, and Aristides Aquino. Um, the worst news of the week probably, Connor Overton. Connor Overton is hurt, and this is a bad thing. Connor Overton is uh, has been the Reds' best pitcher this season, basically. Got an MRI on his back, stressed reaction in his back, and unable to throw for six to eight weeks. We're talking two months. He was placed on the 60-day injured list. I thought I saw something later that said they found a fracture. Don't, uh, Bill, I don't want to hear that. Okay, if he fractured his yeah. If he fractured his back, then uh, that's that's tough. That's probably or, not good. Either way, he's out for at least two months. Or something. It was it, anyway, but it, it is a it is a really sad thing because you know the guy's finally getting a, a, an extended chance to pitch in the big leagues, and he's grabbing it, and he grabbed it, and you can't do any more than he did. And and I don't know how this happened. Whether it was part of you know something while he was pitching that this happened, or you know I, I have no idea. There's been nothing reported as to how this happened. So I'm assuming it happened on the mound, but you have to feel bad for the guy. You just have to. I mean, he was doing everything you could ask of him and more. Yeah, the, the only thing I heard was like a day or two after his start, he just woke up and the pain was there. Like there wasn't anything they could point to. But we kind of touched on it an episode or two ago. He had this really, really interesting journey um, after getting drafted and kind of just stinking up the joint, and then going back down playing in the independent league, getting a bunch of new pitches, changing his entire. Um, you know, process. And then, like you said, he battled his way back and was just, just pitching fantastically. And then this happens after I think four starts. Yeah, you just hate to see it. Yeah. It's just, what a great story. And it was, this just a fluke that he was pitching so well in these handful of starts this year. Maybe, I mean, you know, Maybe. we don't know, but this is a guy that was just basically done 
and he now he was finally for the first time actually living that uh, that big league dream and uh man just uh, i hate it for him so um we got a ton of your mail questions to answer so uh question question so question. before we do that i'm gonna let bill ramble question from the floor mr speaker the, i yield my time the guys that are all all went on the restricted list i, I did i read that these were all covid vaccine things they're not i don't they're not allowed to say that but that's what it was that's what people presume don't doesn't that give toronto a, a tremendous advantage in terms of competition when teams could be having to put people on this restricted list when they come up there to play and i think that's why that snake in the grass justin trudeau has uh, implemented that up there in canada <laughs> to give the blue jays an unfair advantage over american competition that sneaky bastard a little xenophobia here. Wow, that, that, that went a little far. Yikes. Um, also, fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess, but, you know, those guys could just could get the vaccine and go play. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I'm just it's, – it's almost as weird as the, the NBA's, New York City's uh, – vaccine policy and the and what the way it affected the the uh who was the nets and the knicks and, and nobody else and it's also very odd to me yeah we they just we could get way off we could get way off topic uh diving into this one but uh yeah i'm gonna let they Nick just look on a word they just looked ahead they saw an opportunity to get graham ashcraft his first big league start and they took it it was strategic Ooh, that's the answer justin trudeau is a graham ashcraft fan and a Taylor Motter fan, apparently. He's the only the only one. He's <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the one. All right. So uh, one last uh, thing. We probably do. We need to talk more about how great Cal Farmer was today, and that he's just an amazing player. Uh, do I, we really need? Well, my I, only I, my only concern is that his good game today is going to keep Barrero in AAA even longer. And Barrero went out on a rehab stint. He's close to being back. And he's playing Cal short. Farmer. Yep. Kyle Farmer comes into the day with an OPS plus of 68. 68. He's been one of the worst players in all of Major League Baseball all season long. But if you look at my Twitter mentions, you wouldn't know it because every time he gets a hit, everybody has to tell me that I was wrong about Kyle Farmer. Well, that's only once a week, though. That's true. That's true. I don't, I don't have one month of the last two seasons we've had to endure that consistently and that's it but and, and, and the right. other thing is barrero is not going to be up anytime soon because they said he's going to have the, they're, they're basically doing spring training for him in louisville so we're probably talking you know what fourth of july well and i don't really have a problem with that necessarily i mean i think he's going to need some time to get ready because he really didn't have a, a he's, he's gonna need some time to get game ready i don't have an issue with it but uh second half of the season he needs to be starting at shortstop six days a week period Sorry, Kyle Farmer. Sorry, sorry, Mrs. Farmer, if you're listening. Um, you can play third base or wherever. I don't care where you play. But yeah, look at the lineup. There's, there's places for Kyle Farmer. Like, yeah, yeah. he'll he'll see the field. Uh, maybe second base if uh, Jonathan Indian never comes back. Although supposedly that's imminent. So, you know, All right. What, so, what did they say the other day? Ten days to two weeks or something before he starts rehab. Yeah. They said that six weeks ago. Well, now, see, now you're besmirching the Reds' medical staff. No, and I know you way. don't mean to do that. No, they're perfect in every way. <laughs> All right, viewer mail. Let's let's it's dive like into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These questions come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RiverfrontCincy. As we always said, first question today comes from our buddy Joseph Prince. His question is a very simple one: 2023 Opening Day lineup. Yes, there will be a lineup on opening day 2023. Uh, isn't it? Let's try to figure out who we think will be in, that's on this team yeah. now, will be in the lineup on opening day next year. Otto Stevenson in India. Well, let's, let's, let's go position by position. Catcher. Thomas Garcia. Shoot. First base. Votto. Colin Moran. Joey Votto. Second base, Jonathan India. Yes. After that, you're right, Bill. I don't think there's any other position that is guaranteed to be the starter. Nope. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic and say Barrero at shortstop. I hope you're right. Still, Moose Tacos will be third. I mean, they're not gonna be able to find anybody to take take that contract. 
and he's, he's he'll be around. I know, well, right? Scored twenty runs today. Can I just have an hour? <laughs> yes. And the outfield, I would not be surprised if none of the current outfielders are starting uh, on opening day next year. Although I guess Nick Zell probably is your your best bet. Um, hey, I'm also oh, here to say I'm really enjoying my Tommy Pham experience. Yeah, but he's not going to be here. But yeah, I agree. I mean, he's been he's been better since that horrific start. I, I don't have I don't have any issues with him. He plays a hard like guy. I don't like the guy though. But he's still got an OPS plus of ninety. It's not like he's an all star. Well, he may, he may be the Reds all star, but it's not like he's you know knocking down fences and and, and you know impressing the heck out of you. I mean, but he started zero for fifty eight or something like that for the season. And you can't deny Bill that he's better than Jesse Winker. And this year, <laughs> Winker's not started off very well, has he? Not been great. Um, I, I don't think we can predict the opening day lineup next year because I think there's going to be at least three guys that are going to be, um, you know, minor league invites to spring training. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's no one in the minor leagues other than Barrero that I see them pushing. McLean's too far away. Austin Hendricks just got promoted, uh, but he's too far away. Uh, you know, the, the top shelf prospects in the minor leagues are, are not going to be here next year, other than, again, Barrero. They're all in Daytona or, 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 or Dayton. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot up in the air. And so what we really all need to do is uh, just calm down, trust Nick Crawl, have faith, have faith, faith. have some faith Perfect. in Nick Crawl. Hey, the Reds scored 20 runs today. Oh, 20 <laughs> runs. But, but I'm not the only one that thinks they probably now won't score any for like three days. Bill, Nate asked for just an hour to enjoy this. 20 runs. The Reds are the league leader in runs today. today. <laughs> Great. It's amazing. Kyle Farmer, best shortstop in baseball. Today. Today. <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry we didn't answer your question there, uh, Joe, but that's a tough one. Next comes from our friend Rex Scott. Rex tried to uh, – Trick me into a, a, a answering uh, more than one question this week, but I think we will be able to get to one more of his questions. But first, let's answer this one. As we all know, the Reds have dealt with a ton of injuries this season. It's also obvious the team did not plan for sufficient depth on the roster to be able to cope with the extent of their injuries. Where on the roster did the Reds really fail when it came to planning for depth? Are there examples from other MLB teams of intelligent plans that help those teams to deal with injuries? Every team that wants to compete expects that there are going to be injuries. The Reds are the only team that has a paper-thin roster and goes into the season hoping that they're oh, – well, not only the Reds. I mean, the Pirates, other garbage organizations uh, will, will put together this paper th- – and we've seen it so many times over the last few years. Uh, starting lineup that uh, you can kind of squint and see that they'd be okay, but they it, they depend completely on the lineup being completely healthy all season long, and they never are. And what we always say, hope is not a strategy. The Reds hope that they stay healthy. So where they failed was they – traded off or got rid of a number of legitimate productive major leaguers and made no attempt to replace them other than an emergency signing of Tommy Pham. Um, It's just, I don't know who else you want to compare it to. And I don't know why you want to compare it. It It's it's a garbage way to run any professional sports organization and you can't, uh, you can't defend it. But on the other hand, I guess what you can say about it is they scored 20 runs today. So maybe it worked. They have to adjust their resources to payroll. And, and wasn't that the quote? Or is 20 that runs, Bill. 20 runs. And a week from today, we'll say 24 runs this week. <laughs> they scored five against the Blue Jays. We can we can, we can remember that. Well, we were talking about the Blue Jays series earlier a little bit. Let, let, even though we lost two out, two out of three, I think, right? Did we lose two out of three mm-hmm. up there? Yeah. The pitching was good. It was a great the whole series. So, you know, you, you gotta you gotta be happy about what you can be happy about with this team. If nothing else, they're more competitive these days than they were in those early days of the season, and that's I something. guess fun. It's something. I I'll be honest, and, and I think I think Jason or Chris, I can't remember which one. I struggle to watch this team. I I I usually try to watch when Hunter Green's pitching, and I and when Lodolo's back on the mound, I will probably try to make an effort to watch, but. I haven't made through. I haven't made through nine innings of any game yet this year. I don't think I, this team is hard to watch. They really are. I just, ugh. 
I think, uh, at least in my opinion, all of that changes if Joey Votto is really back. If I get to tune in and watch him play, play at a high level, sign me up. Well, and, and, yeah. maybe, and maybe, like you said, Votto and you get India back and maybe get Barrero at shortstop and, and if Senzel's hitting. It's interesting, at least, all of a yeah. sudden, right? Yeah. Well, it's not a bunch of guys that, that, that you've never heard of before. I, are, 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 are you getting ready to slander uh, Colin Moran and Brandon Drury and Jake Fraley again, Bill? Come on. Who? Taylor Taylor Motter. Who? We can slander Taylor Motter. Like, I'll stand Yeah, I think that's okay. <laughs> um, and there's still the worst defensive team I've ever seen. Other than, yeah, other scored, than Benzel. doesn't matter if he scored 20 runs. That's true. Nathan Connor, as long as the other team doesn't make that extra point, he's still going to going to get a win. There you go. Nathan Connor goes a, a little bit of a different direction with the Tyler Stevenson uh, moving positions question. Here's his question: A lot of folks seem to want to preserve Tyler Stevenson by moving him from catcher. With the Reds front office going with the quote unquote raise model. First of all, Nathan, there is zero evidence that they're going with the raise model, other than the fact that. Nick, Nick Crawl or somebody said that one time. There's no actual evidence of any decision they've made that uh, mimics anything the Rays are doing. None. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll, take, we'll we'll presume that for the sake of the question. If, if they go with that model, we should, ex- and, and maybe they are going to in the future go with that model because they did say that. We should, but if they do, that we should expect fewer, if any, long-term contracts for guys past 30, and a few offers about arbitration years plus a couple free agent years. Having said that, what's the point of moving Stevenson away from his premium position if he's likely going to be playing for another team in 10 years anyway? Wouldn't you rather him continue catching where he played in the minors and raking there and, and raking there as the top catcher in the league? And I think it's an interesting point. Um, have faith, says Bill. Um, I, I don't. There's a lot of reasons I don't move Tyler Stevenson. That's one of them. I mean. If if the argument is we got to protect his save his knees from catching, well, that's going to be a, a question for thirty three year old Tyler Stevenson, and he's probably not going to be here at that point. If it's because of the concussions, those are fluke things that happened this year. He has had three concussions, so that's that's a concern. You have to be concerned about it. But both times there's a, a foul ball, and he's changing his helmet. He's using the old school face mask. He's going to change the one that protects more, and the other one's a collision to the plate. We just don't see collisions to the plate anymore. Very very rare. So and a, uh, and a head slam onto the ground, right? A dirty play, yeah, out there against uh, San Diego. So, so I think it's a good point, uh, Nathan. I really do. I think that uh, are we saving him so that he can be a productive catcher for the Cardinals in ten years? Screw that, Nate. I, I, and I, and I hadn't I hadn't thought of it the way that that, that this was thought of, and I, I think it's a real interesting perspective. Yeah, it's a good question, but I think unless Tyler Stevenson or his doctors, the team doctors, advise and say that he needs to not be a catcher, then he stays a catcher as long as, as long as he wants. Well, and part of it that people aren't really uh, understanding is he's actually not a bad defensive catcher. He's got a gun. He hired a coach to work with him on his and – and you can watch – if you look at the videos of his catching stance this year versus last year when runners are on base, completely different. That's why he's throwing people – he's already thrown out as many runners, maybe more at this point, than he threw out all of last year. Um, and he's not, a, he's not a terrible defensive catcher. He's not Tucker Barnhart, but – who is? I mean, you know, we can't expect that. But he's getting better, and he's perfectly cromulent behind the plate. And so, if you got a guy like that that can be an elite hitter, you just don't move him. You just Crom- don't move him. Cromulent, cromulent. Yeah, go look, go look that up, Bill. I- I'm going to have to look that one up. The only thing I will say on his defense is he does seem to have trouble with the balls down in the dirt. A, a fair number of balls seem to get by him to me. Wild pitches, and I, I don't know what his pass ball count is, but. Well, when you have the Graham Ashcraft of the world thrown to you, you're going to miss a few balls. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, no, I'm not saying he's a gold glover, but I think he's uh, good enough that the defense is not the reason to move him. You know, if he were the worst catcher in the league, you might say, oh, well, we, we got to get him out of there. He's, I, he's I, do, I do, and I think I said this when we talked about this last week or whenever it was, I do worry about the concussions because, you know, they say once you start getting them, they're easier to get as you move along. And, and that's a concern, not only for baseball, but for his well-being in the long run. Yeah, if he gets another one, especially sometime soon, it just might be a, he just might have to move yeah. just for his own long-term health. Um, but I don't think we're there. The other reason why I say there's no reason to move him right now is that what are you going to do? Who are you going to put there? The Reds don't have another single major league catcher on the roster. 
they don't have anyone that's talented enough to be a regular major league catcher. Now they could have spent a couple we, bucks and brought Tucker Barnhart back, but go ahead, Nate. What? So that's how we get Kyle Farmer those at bats. Ah, then he'll, then he'll be the greatest catcher out there. Exactly, according to the, <laughs> his Twitter uh, sweethearts. Uh, that's a great question, uh, Nate. Next question comes from Joe Farsing. This is one we probably do need to uh, unpack a little bit. Joe Farsing says, hot take. Tyler Malley is more useful as a trade asset than as a starter. Agree or be wrong, he says. Tyler Malley. Um, I, I think we have to say at this point that this season has not gone for Tyler Malley the way any of us thought it would. Through 10 starts, he has a 2-5 and five record a 6.32 ERA, and uh, while his, some of his advanced metrics don't look quite that bad, he's just been bad this season. And I thought I thought this year, you know, Tyler Malley, uh, he's uh, 27 years old. I really thought this was going to be the year where he, he was the breakout, and especially with Castillo being hurt early, I said, Here, he's going he's gonna to be the ace of the team, or at least develop into a solid number two starter. Um, after a great season last year, I'm not sure I – I don't know. I, I still like the guy. He's got talent, but I'm not sure I'm ready to drop money on him for a contract extension. I'm not sure what his trade value is at the moment, but Joe might be right. Bill, what do you think? I'm not giving up on Tyler Malley after a third of a bad season when he's got a track record either. Uh, his trade value now, you don't – it would be just like the Reds to trade him when his value is at, the, is at, its, is at its lowest. Uh, but I'm not – I'm not ready to sign him to a long-term contract either. You just have to see how the rest of the season goes. Um, he's going out there every fifth day, and you hope he gets better. Nate? If you're going to trade him, I hope you uh, highlight and emphasize his home road splits. That's the thing that I can't understand still. It, it, it's not changed. It. Uh, you could talk yourself into thinking it was a fluke last year, but my goodness, it's it's a consistent thing. He can't pitch at Great American Ballpark. Which so, is a problem when you play for the Reds. But it comes up. If they trade if they trade him to the Cardinals, every time he comes to town and pitches against the Reds, mm. he'll, he'll, he'll throw two hitters. Yeah, Four D chess. I like this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not ready to give up on him. I'm not ready to trade him. He's just 27 years old. He has a long track record of getting batters out. Uh, but yikes, he has not looked right all season long. Um, and at this moment, actually, I'm going to disagree with your uh, your question, um, Joe. Uh, so I guess I'm wrong in your in your mind. Um, I don't. I think he's more useful as a starter. But for the last 10 starts, he's not been useful at all. Patrick Hasler asks, how are you gents enjoying this season compared to previous sub-500 years? I've enjoyed not having expectations around this team after the atrocious start instead of hoping they can stick into the playoffs. It's been more fun seeing each win while watching the few bright spots perform well. Patrick, that is what I would call a glass half full of perspective, and I applaud you for it. Kudos, young man. Kudos. Uh, this season has been fun only in the sense that, as Nate and I have talked a lot about, I'm trying really hard to find things to laugh about. Um, and they're available. But even the things I've liked over the last few years, like Joey Votto, he's not been around this season. Um, no, I'm not really enjoying this from a baseball perspective. Although I got to say, it's on every night here. Um, it's always on my second screen. I'm rarely, you know, watching it as intently as I used to, but it's still on here for some reason. So it, what do you all think? Have more fun than the other 90 lost seasons? It's all misery to me. This is the first one where I am uh, regularly getting to hang out with you folks in the Patreon community and talk about baseball in that way. So I'm having fun in that regard. Um, and hey, we're only ten and a half games back from the wild card spot, so keep the spirits Let's high, these fans. Now that's and a they scored twenty ball. runs. <laughs> and they scored twenty. That is glass half. They ball. do that every game. They'll probably win some. That's probably true. And as I said earlier, I, I've really struggled being interested in this team and, and a, another for instance right here in my house my wife is a big baseball fan big reds fan and there hasn't been one time when she said aren't the reds playing let's put the ball game on not once yeah i'll, I'll say to echo what, 
what uh, what Nate said. Um, uh, well, first of all, a lot of people have tuned out. Um, if you watch the Cubs series, there was no one there. There weren't even many Cubs fans as usual. It was nobody in the stadium. Um, but I actually met up with uh, one of our uh, Patreon family yesterday. Um, uh, tip of the cap to to Rich, and that's something he said was that you know, man, if it weren't for the, the Patreon group and the Slack channel, and you know, this podcast, just being able to watch it, and you know, he said, listen on my bike ride, I guess uh, every Friday morning, um, I'd be disconnected right now, and so um, so I think yeah, there's some to the misery loves company, you know, so that that gives us a little bit of enjoyment maybe, but uh, I don't, the team's been pretty brutal to watch, although there there are things you know, Hunter Green is fun to watch, you know. Um, that's that's about it. But Hunter, Tyler Stevenson and Hunter Green. That's that's about it. Brian Bowdy, this is a great question. This is just a great question. What would Joey Votto and Pete Rose's careers look like if they swapped generations, Freaky Friday style? How would Joey's career be different if you played in the sixties and seventies? And how would Pete have done in the modern game? Now, my short answer to this is. Joey Votto would be considered an inner circle Hall of Famer already. And Pete Rose would be um, borderline because of what's valued now versus what is valued then. That's my quick and short answer. But, uh, uh, Bill, I'd I like to hear your thoughts on this because you, you, know, you, you watch Pete play quite a bit. Can you imagine Joey Votto in the 70s era? Does, is this game different? You know, uh, it's, it's hard to say that. But if you put up the same numbers back then, it's hard to it's hard to grasp how Joey's skill set would have fit in, in in that era. You know, would he would he have done what he did last year and adjust his game to to fit in more with what, the way the game was played then? You know, speed, less strikeouts, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and you know, looking at their numbers, you know, if Pete quits playing when he should have in '79 or '80 his numbers are a lot different than you look at the end. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to compare who's better, that, but, but, you know, in, in Pete's era, he, what did I look here? I, 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 he had uh, 10 top 10 finishes in the MVP race in his career. And, and Joey's not even close to that, which just tells you that, like the difference in skill sets for the eras. I, 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 think, I think that flips. If, if Joey's in the seventies, I think Joey gets it. And if Pete's now, Pete's never making a top ten. Right, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I I think it's. I just think it's. It, it, I agree with you. This is a really interesting question. Uh, you and we. I think we talked about this a little last week. You think Joey hits third on the big red machine? And, and that what you? I think that's what you said last week. I, I think you can make an argument. Yeah. They hit uh, third. I said third or fifth. I think he's hitting fifth behind 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 Foster. Yeah. Question: well, What for was that? Twitter. I'll go ahead, Nick. If Pete Rose was on the 2022 Cincinnati Reds, would you want to start him over Kyle Farmer? Twitter probably question? yes. <laughs> Twitter likes Pete Rose as much as they like. Uh, yeah, Kyle fair Palmer. enough. Same fans. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's the reason. That's another reason the Votto and Rose question are so interesting because Twitter doesn't like Votto either. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> this TikTok is we could probably spend an, TikTok does. We could probably spend an hour kind of debating the ins and the outs of this question. It's a fascinating question. Maybe a, it's about need to be an off-season mm-hmm. topic. Uh, you know, let's take different players from uh, the last twenty-five years and project whether what they could have done with the big red machine. You know. We're, what, what what Adam Dunn's role have been on the big red machine? Put That's Eric Davis question. in center field. Oh, put Eric Davis in center field, and they are the best team in the history of baseball. I, healthy, arguing that already. A healthy prime of his you know of his career, Eric Davis in center field. I mean, he's every bit the the, the defensive player that Geronimo was, and you know he brings at least as much to the table. More speed. I don't know if he had if, if Eric had a great arm, but I don't know if he had the Geronimo arm. But the bat was, you know, twenty-five times better than Geronimo. There, it, you know, Concepcion's the only out in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the nineteen eighty-seven Eric Davis is as good a baseball player as I'm ever going to see in my life. Um, 
I just wish we could have had a whole career of that. Yep. So good question, Brian. Uh, Nate, any thoughts about uh, that before we go? Uh, Freaky Friday, Joey Vidal and Pete Rose? No, I think you know that the uh, 70s would be a lot more kind to Joey Votto than the 2000 teams would be to Pete Rose. Well said. James Urban. James, I got, I'm sorry, buddy. You, you know we love you, but this, this is a silly question for a reason I'm getting ready to say. Who wins, the Reds or our beer league softball team? At this point, I think we may have them beat. James, the Reds scored 20 runs today. Our softball team has never scored 20 runs in a game. Not once. Never. We drank 20 beers. Bill drank 20 beers mm-hmm. per game. Well, that's the question. What, what's the competition? Are we playing baseball or softball, or are we seeing who can drink the most beers? Because we got a ringer up there, the pod father. Uh, yeah, we, 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 may have, we may have an advantage there. Um, I'm trying to think which red – well, again, we're getting into Mike Moustakis territory. I'm not going to talk about which red would like to pound beers the most. Um. I'm, I'm getting ready. You know, I got to go into training here because I'm getting ready to go to Key West here in a couple of weeks. So, okay. gotta, you know, okay, get prepared, huh? Got to get my training, get my training regimen up. <laughs> Thomas Dennis asks, was Dick Williams the best res general manager since Bob Housem? And does Crawl's bad performance reflect upon our evaluation of Williams? Uh, was Dick Williams the best GM since Bob Housem? I don't think you Murray, can say that. Big Murray Cook guy myself. Ah, Murray Cook. There you go. Um, legend. Was he? He was. He was in the Marge era, right? I, 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 Marge had what three, three GMs in her time period. Murray Cook, Cook, Bob Quinn, I think. Bob Quinn, who ended up running the ball club after she got suspended. Wasn't there? Wasn't Burgish? Yeah, Bill Burgish. Burgish. Yeah. Well, I think I think uh, wasn't uh, Jim Bowden at the end of her time too. Could have been. I, I don't so. know. It, it was all a blur. It was it was um, all smoke filled blur. <laughs> I, I don't know how great Dick Williams was as a general manager. I do know that if he had, had been given support from ownership, and you can't, and, you know, he's part of the ownership, so you know, maybe I'm blaming him too, um, since his family are minority owners. Um, I think the Reds team the last two years and this year are competing for national league pennants. I really do. I mean, they were there, they were right there. So I, in that respect, you have to say he was pretty good. I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. And, and if nothing else, you have to give him credit for convincing ownership, at least for this long to turn this into a major league franchise, to start yeah. doing things that everybody else has been doing for years. Uh, of course that lasted till he was out the door and then all that stuff got, ejected so well he made mistakes yes oh. he wasn't perfect and we but i think we give him a lot of credit because he was the first general manager in a long time that actually seemed like he had a clue was willing to bring the reds into the, the 21st century uh i mean you can make arguments for frankly you can make arguments for walt jockety i won't make those arguments uh, you can make arguments for jim bowden i mean jim bowden is basically nick crawl i mean in terms of what he's dealing with with ownership but bowden was able to find a little bit more success at times than what you ever would expect Crawl to have. Um, maybe Dick Williams is the best because he was saddled with Nick Crawl all these years, and maybe that's why we should give Williams credit. What do you think, Nate? You, you can stick with Murray Cook. I think that if we uh, are remembering Dick Williams a little more fondly because of the Nick Crawl stank, then let's uh, let's let that reflect on Nick Crawl more than it does Dick Williams. The Nick Crawl stank. stank. That's that's a good name for New a band. band New band name. Yeah. The Nick Crawl Stank. Remind me, Ned, we're going to name this this episode uh, the Nick Crawl Stank. Done. Can't get no, the Nick Crawl Stank off this off our podcast. No. <laughs> keep Joey Gaditza. Keep your Nick Gaditza Crawl asking, Stink to yourself. What's that, Bill? Keep your Nick Crawl Stink to yourself. Oh, yeesh. Oof. 20 runs. Ooh. Joey Gaditza asks, gents, who is going to win Lord Stanley's Cup? I don't want to touch anyone's cup. I don't, I don't, what's he talking about? I don't know who Stanley is, and I don't want to touch his his cup. Tampa Bay Lightning. I I'll go Colorado Avalanche. Hockey. Um, if I have to pick. Oh, so so we are talking hockey. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, the New York Islanders. 
Is that is that an option? The Virginia sure. Cavaliers. You want to pick the pick the who's? <laughs> the Cincinnati Stingers. I thought uh, the Islanders were going to have a chance this year. Said they fired their coach. I'm a big um, uh, Mighty Ducks guy. I think Gordon Bombay is going to lead them to the title. Charlie Conway and uh, Adam Banks, they're elite. Julie the Cat Gaffney in the goal. Ooh, Julie the Cat Gaffney. I'm excited about that squad. I'm going to go uh, – the last couple of years I got I got back into hockey because for whatever reason I'm a New York Islanders fan. And uh, I was excited for this year. And then they faded early and I was like, I don't like this. I don't have enough time in my day to devote to a, a bad team other than the Reds. You got to guess Georgetown Hoyas basketball. You got to limit your bad teams to one. Right. I don't have I don't have enough time for that. So, um, but I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes. That's what I'm going for. The Hurricanes. Yeah. The Hurricanes, because uh, I got a buddy that uh, is a big Hurricanes fan, and he's going to be upset that I call them the Hurricanes. So, um, yeah, really, the answer is anyone but the Rangers, please, for the love of Bill, anyone but the New York Rangers. We can all agree on that. Never root for Sh- Yeah, really. Seth Shaner, what percentage of being a Reds fan is just the ingrained love of baseball and nostalgia for time with fathers and grandfathers? The depressing nature of the lack of a plan from ownership and management causes me to waver in my dedication. But then the game starts and my grandpa calls to talk about it, and I remember why I'm a fan in the first place. I think this has been uh, baseball's biggest advantage from a marketing perspective for years that they're not going to have in the next generation because they've given up on the last generation or two of, of fans. But man, for me, that's part of it. I mean, that's for, for a lot of us. It's just, it's for me, it's, it's father, grandfather. That, that, that's who got me into the game, I guess. But more, it's just that the game has always been on in the background in my life. It's, it's like, the, I, I call it the soundtrack to my life. It's always been there in the background. The Reds have, and so they're still there. So that's nostalgia, uh, I guess. Uh, Nate? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I love what you said about how they're not going to have that sort of marketing advantage for long. You think about the biggest thing they've really done in the last several years of these, uh, you know, Field of Dreams games. And, I mean, do your kids care about Field of Dreams? Like, Oh, that's that's marketed at me. To one specific nation or, yeah. or two, and they need to be captured. I, I, I agree with Chad. I think it's a nostalgia. For me, it's a nostalgia and historical thing. A lot of my, you know, and I've told stories on here about going to the ballpark with my grandpa when I was younger uh, and, and growing up in the era of the big red machine. And I, and I think, Chad, you made this point and from the Reds' perspective a number of times about the lost generation of Reds fans. And, and I think that's what we're talking about here, too, because they don't have any of this historical – or nostalgia to fall back on. Nobody's nostalgic about losing a hundred games. And, and unless they turn this franchise around soon, they're going to be looking at empty ballparks for years and years and years. Yeah. I think what we're seeing this year with attendance is the tip of the iceberg. 13,000 today. I just looked. Yeah. And of course it's a midweek day game. So sometimes you get those, uh, but light uh, attendance numbers, but it's been that way this whole series. And, um, I don't know, you know, I miss, I, I desperately miss going to Great American Ballpark. And it's just that nostalgia thing. And I like hanging out at, at the ballpark and watching a game and uh, having a drink and some peanuts. And uh, it's it's just fun. But you know what? I, there are a lot of ballparks where I can do that around this country. And uh, Nate and I were going to go to one uh, the other night until rain uh, changed our plans. Because I like hanging at the ballpark. Uh, hanging out at specifically Great American Ballpark is no longer, well, it's actually at the bottom of my list until Castellini's gone. When he's gone, I'll be back. And I can't wait. But I'm not sure when or if that'll happen. And yeah, I just I, I do worry about the future of baseball, and I worry about the future of uh, the Reds specifically because what have the Reds given anyone to care about for the last 20 years? Nothing. A, te- a tease every now and again. Every now and again. Have faith. Have faith, guys. You got. That's a good faith. question, though, Seth. Yeah, got have, have some faith. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Rex Scott asks about a second question here, and he's really being insistent here. I'm getting a little irritated at Rex Scott. Here's what he says. I already asked a question, but I just thought about the fact that I still don't have a roster spot on the beer league softball team. Chad put me on the hoops team when I joined last year. When I brought this up last time, Chad was off for the week, and the other guys didn't want to place me in his absence. So, Rex, I mean, why are you trying to annoy us, man? 
dude, you are the superstar of the basketball team. But okay, greedy. if you insist, greedy. Yeah, Rex. Not greedy. He wants he wants more than one question this week, and in that second question, he's complaining. I mean, what's what does he think this family is? We don't complain to this family. We love. We love each other. It's, it's all about love. All right, Rex. You are our starting pitcher, flamethrower, if you can flamethrow in, so, in slow pitch uh, beer league softball, and you are hitting cleanup in the lineup. Is, is that good enough for you? <laughs> are you going to complain some more, Rex Scott? Just kidding, Rex. Love you, baby. No, sorry if you complain. You're the ball boy and the bat, and the bat boy. You get to pick, you have to pick up all the equipment and go out and get the bases after the game and put them in the bag and carry them to the bus and you don't get any beer out of the half barrel. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, come on, Bill. Come on. This I'm a tough. I'm a tough about. taskmaster now. God. I mean, he might have the best name on the beer league softball team. It, for, Rex Scott want, strikes fears into the opposing. See, I think he's a power hitting first baseman. If we if we play him, at, you know, if, if we go by the name, I think that's a that's a power hitting first baseman. Name. Yeah, when he, when he doesn't pitch, yeah. you can do both. Then he can pick there up the go. bases yeah. after the game. He's the best happy, player on the team. Yeah, the we're just the, by far the superstar, and not only that, two sport superstar, basketball superstar as well. <laughs> Rex is just a, you're amazing. He's a an amazing specimen of athletic ability. We're so lucky to have him on our uh, on our team. What do you think, Rex? Is that good enough? <laughs> All right, last question comes from our buddy uh, Rich Thompson. Rich asks, over the course of the last couple – and again, I apologize um, because we're talking too much about people who maybe are differently shaped. Rounds are shaped. That's right. Over the course of the last couple seasons, many in the Red Leg Nation family have noticed and commented that Mike Moustakis appears to be a bit huskier and not in a good way. However, I do think I do not think that he rivals some former Reds that might have been challenged to find some extra holes in their belt straps. Here is my list of former Reds with wider girths: A. Donnie Scott, B. Jumbo Diaz, C. Jonathan Broxton, D. Dimitri Dimit Hook Young, and E. Todd Coffey. In your opinion, who takes the title of most rotund Red? That's really not very nice, Rich. Come on. <laughs> I don't even remember Donnie Scott. I barely, barely do. Uh, what, what do you think? Give us, give me a name, guys. Dimitri, the meat. I wanted to go Jumbo. It had to be Jumbo Diaz, right? But Current Jumbo thought, Diaz, for sure. Oh, that's true. But then I thought Todd Coffey. Remember Todd Coffey? Sprint Ooh. to the mound. Sweating profusely. Oh, just sweating like crazy. It was disgusting. Todd Coffey. Bill, you got an answer? I, Donnie Scott. I, I just looked him up. He pitched for the Reds in 91. He was 5'11", 185 pounds. So that's not that's not heavy. What was the name of the guy? Oh, man, I can't remember his name now. Um, his nickname was The Big Sweat. Big Sweat. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I, would probably, I would probably have to go with Jonathan Broxton. He he was he was a big boy. The big sweat. Somebody needs to, needs to tell you who that who that guy was. He was a big old boy. I'm going to go with Todd Coffee, and here's why: because this week, you know, a couple weeks ago um, or a few weeks ago, uh, we played a little bit of a rant from uh, one of the uh, the golf podcasters. This no laying up podcast. If you've heard that, and they're they're a great group of guys, but anyway, um, one of the guys this week they were talking, they were wrapping up the PGA Championship, which was a fun uh, fun uh, major major championship. Golf is just a great spectator sport. But anyway, what a finish! Uh, they were kind of wrapping, yeah, great finish. They were wrapping it up, and they were kind of going down the leaderboard and talking about guys that didn't make the cut and guys that didn't do well. And they got to John Rom. Y'all know John Rom, great golfer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the same guy that did the rant on the other one said, "Oh, uh, well, the other the, the two guys that were on that rant on the previous one, one said to the other, "Wait a minute, didn't you used to uh, compare John Rom to uh, to sweaty Todd Coffee?" <laughs> wow, they were talking about uh, that he's not in the best shape either. Um, and so we got a Todd Coffee mention on the uh, on the No Laying Up podcast, but. Anyway, I, I apologize for all that talk because I'm in horrible shape myself. I'm not making fun of anyone. Um, Rounds of shape. Round is a 
is a shape. Guys, that's a pretty good place to put a wrap in it, I think. What do you think? Any, any final yeah, thoughts, one, uh, Bill? One more question. I didn't get to see much of the Toronto series, but did neither one of our color guys make the trip? We didn't have Chris or Barry up there, right? Wasn't that LaCure doing that game, those games? Uh, LaCure was up there, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about the Sunday game because I was listening to that one on the radio uh, as I was driving, so I'm not sure who was I just, doing television. Did, did Barry and Chris not want to go to Canada, maybe? <laughs> Sam, this was the Maybe they're on the Tyler Naquin list. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Any uh, final questions or thoughts, Nate? Uh, not really. I mean, 20 runs. Just keep that up, uh, Kyle Farmer. Just keep being the GOAT, and we can have a fun final few months. If we score 20 a game, we'll be in good shape. The Reds scored 20 runs in one day. One game. Is that, didn't we, I, I'm pretty sure we went a week earlier in the season when we didn't score 20 runs. Bill, we're not talking about the past. You're 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 too stuck in the past. <laughs> okay, we're talking about the now, where the Reds average twenty do. runs a game <laughs> on this date in Reds history. The Reds averaged twenty runs a game, and I won't listen to anyone slander them. This is the Riverfront episode number four hundred and twenty-six. Thank you for uh, listening. Uh, we uh, always appreciate all the support. We're at youtube.com slash riverfrontcency. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a like down there. And please, 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 please smash that subscribe button, okay? It helps us get in front of more eyes. The more you like, the more you subscribe, and the more you tell your friends. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, at Riverfront Sensi. You can also find the podcast in audio format the same way you've always found it. At all your uh, favorite podcast apps, go look, search for The Riverfront, and you will find us. If you want to join the family, patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. We'd love to have you. We're having a blast over there um, talking about the Reds. Uh, I guess the, the one last thing I'll say is if, if whatever service you watch us on gives you a chance to rate or review, do that. Give us five stars. Nothing less than five stars. Five stars only. If you like us, tell your friends about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Gang, this was a fun one. I'll give oh. you one last chance to make a final statement. Bill. I have no final statement. Nate. Welcome back, Joey Votto. Welcome back, Joey Votto, for Nate Dotson, for the Podfather, Bill Lack, and for sweaty, sweaty Todd Coffee. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.